This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Decibel the battle cry go forth which is give the people what they want and what the people want could only be the senseless trivia as decibel geek vip step up for no cash no prizes but massive rock street cred yes this is the show where people bet nothing to win nothing Because when the stakes are this high, then you haven't got much to lose as Decibel Geek presents Beat the Geek Week. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I can tell you, for a show like Beat the Geek, you'll not find a better game show host than myself, Aaron Camaro. And you'll be hard-pressed to find a more competent contestant then my co-host right here, the head geek himself, the one who is on the hot seat three times today, the one and only, the champion of champions, Chris Sinzak. Woo! <laughs> <coughs> nice. Awesome. <laughs> I can tell Let's this is going to be a good one already. <laughs> yeah. Let's see how much useless knowledge I have this week. Oh, you got a lot. I don't know what your record is, but you're definitely... In the green, you're winning. Yeah, this show is so low stakes that I don't even keep track of my record anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember. That's something I probably should have checked out before we started recording today. But I know that you are ahead. You have won way more than you've lost, and you've only tied once. And I think I can go ahead and spill the beans on this. We're going to, this is a little bit of a preview for what we're going to do. We're actually looking into doing some live streaming through YouTube and Facebook in the future. And we know how much you guys love the, the Beat the Geek segment, and Aaron does an amazing job on it. I'm just along for the ride. I just I get the easy part. I get to answer the questions. He comes up with these insane questions. But um, in the future, when we do the live streams, the Beat the Geek thing is going to be featured on the live stream. So this is a little bit of a preview for that. Oh, man. I better start uh... – using my carpentry skills to start building myself a set. <laughs> yeah, no, I need to get a green screen back here. Yeah. <laughs> People my walls cheering, are all that good stuff. Yeah. Before we get to all that, you know we got to take care of our business. But before we even take care of the business, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Dawn of the Rising. You guys know this band. We've been talking about them for a while. I'm a huge fan. They're a huge fan of what we're doing here on Decibel Geek. And this coming Friday, they've got the official unveiling of their brand-new video for the awesome song, just broken so check them out on the youtube check them out on their facebook page give them a like tell them you heard it on decibel geek because you know what it's pretty cool in 2020 with all the bullshit going on that there's kick-ass rock bands out there coming out with music yeah i I love those guys and and they uh they know how to make videos in the last video they did the singer was wearing one of our shirts i wonder if that's gonna wonder if that's gonna be a repeat thing this time 
Eh, if it is or if it ain't, it don't matter. He wore the Decibel Geek t-shirt in the last video, man, and that was cool as hell. We appreciate it so much. Ray Coon, awesome dude. And Dawn of the Rising, awesome band. Even if Ray wasn't wearing a Decibel Geek t-shirt in the official video, I would still love this band a lot. So I encourage you to check them out. Like I said, Dawn of the Rising on Facebook. This Friday, the brand new video for the song Just Broken. You got to check it out. I'm telling you, they're awesome. And, and also, while we're talking about Decibel Geek T-shirts, make sure you go to Click T Shop, Click T with a K, and uh, you can get your Decibel Geek T-shirt. There's several different designs, even the old school one that I poorly designed back years ago. I still have that T-shirt, the original, old school, original Decibel Geek T-shirt. I love that one. I've still, I've got one, and it's the uh, the Raglan kind, the jersey kind, and it's been, it was signed by. It was signed by the members of, well, Jeff Tate's Queensryche at the time and and a few other people, but I don't even remember who signed it, but I've got a few autographs on it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's hanging in my closet. That's what you love about drunken autographs. You don't remember who the hell signed your shirt. Well, I know Jeff Tate and Rudy Sarzo signed it, so that's pretty cool. And Brian Tishy. That's cool. Yeah. And I think Sash, Sash Jordan was there, so she signed it, too. That's pretty wild. Whoever thought oh, that should we? Uh, we should make mention. We lost a really big part of hard rock history today. Uh, this past week, yeah, we did. Man, you know we've talked about it before. Where Frankie Benali was in some rough shape, and from every account that I've seen, and I've seen a lot, so many people affected by the loss of Frankie Benali. This man, he put up one hell of a fight. The the fact that he lived for sixteen months with pancreatic cancer is amazing. I mean that that's one of those. I've I've lost a few people that I know to that disease, and it usually it's one of those where once you get diagnosed, you're gone within like four or five months. So wow. he uh, and he had a really rough sixteen months. Did several rounds of chemo, but always always had a good attitude about it. Was just like I'm gonna you know work as hard as I can to have as much time left as I can, and um. I just it hit me hit me harder than I thought it would because I mean we all kind of saw this one coming, but uh, yeah I mean like and I posted about it on Facebook the other day, you know when when I was getting into MTV in the early days you know Michael Jackson Ario Speedwagon Hall and Oates that was like typically what you would see Rod tons of Rod Stewart videos, and uh, but I'll never forget seeing Come On Feel the Noise on MTV yeah. the first time I, like I remember where I was what I was doing, and. That was the introduction to me to arena rock and like big anthems, and you know we wouldn't be doing the show if it wasn't for me seeing that video. That was that was a huge influence on me, and his drums are like the forefront part of that song. That's for sure. And, you know, and as much as he's known for Quiet Riot, Frankie Benali's done a lot of cool stuff in heavy oh, yeah. metal and rock history, including that awesome Heavy Bones album, which is pretty Great obscure. Record. And not a lot of people know about it, but that album's killer. You turned me on to that. And yeah. also, who can forget his work with Wasp, Headless and, Children, um, and Crimson Idol. But yeah, Blackie posted this very long tribute to him that was just beautiful. I did see that. Yeah. Very awesome. Just, yeah. Gotta admit, I get, got a little dusty in the room when I read Blackie's tribute to him. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's really heartfelt. Yeah, and you know, with me, it happens every damn time. And maybe it's a little bit selfish, but every time something like this happens and I see it, I always think, damn, that's another dude 
that we'll never get to talk to. That's a guy that, man, why didn't we reach out to Frank Benally, you know, a couple I did. Of years ago? I did years ago. Yeah. Um, and we had, and I, cause I was like, well, I'm, did I correspond with him? And when the Quiet Riot documentary was about to come out, I had messaged him on Facebook because we were friends on Facebook. And at the time, he was like, well, you know, I got to I gotta talk to my publicist. I'm not sure when we're going to start interviewing. And then I had sent a reminder, and I just never heard back from him. But but I was in talks with him to try to get him on the show. Yeah, missed opportunities. I hate those. Yeah. And when the legends are gone, they're gone. And we lost another one. So that's always a good reminder to think, enjoy the ones you got while you still got them. Yeah. So you uh, you want to get through the business, and then we got some calls to make. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go ahead. Um, You know what? I think you should handle this one. The first thing <laughs> we got today is we're looking at reviews and recommendations and all that good stuff. We got some YouTube feedback. Chris, why don't you explain how this all went down? Well, of course, our good buddy Rock and Ron Runyon, who you'll be hearing from later in the show, probably hammered. Um, <laughs> but no cheating this time. Better not be. Um, he uh, does an amazing job with the Decibel Geek TV on YouTube. And, you know, we've, we've been putting up the new episodes every week. And for uh, Camaro's cutout, Ben, he did, you know, he did a really bang up job on yeah. putting that one up. Yeah, he did. And uh, so we got we, we had feedback like right away on it, which tells me that, you know, we are starting to build that audience on YouTube, which is great because it's kind of a it's a very separate audience from what we usually get from you guys that listen to the podcast. And I hate to say it, but it's people that are too lazy to download a podcast. But either way, we're happy to have them listening. Um, we got a, a comment from somebody named Anthem Inc. And they asked the question, did you ever find a double dong at a thrift store? <laughs> and I was like, what a weird thing to ask. Yeah. And I'm sure it's an attempt at trolling. And uh, so I just responded. I said, we tried, but your mom keeps beating us to the store. <laughs> He never responded to that. <laughs> Damn it, Mom. Yeah. And I can't then, even um, troll without you messing things up. Right. Um, but for the record, I've never seen a double dong at a thrift store. I've looked, but I never found one. Um, yeah, I've never looked for one, but I've no. also never seen one. Um, Modern Day Warrior chimed in, said, sometimes you find some great gems at garage sales. Yes. I'll tell you one that always stands out in my memory. We were living in Laverne. You remember when we lived out there? And I was driving home one day, and there was this little yard sale on the side. And I thought, ah, I got time to pull over and look. And I wasn't expecting nothing or anything. And I pulled over there, and they had a bunch of CDs. I was like, oh, kick ass, you know? So I started going through them. And out of, like, probably maybe 50 CDs, they didn't have anything. But they had the scream. John Karabi's band before Motley Crue. And I'd been looking for that forever and couldn't find it anywhere. I pulled it out. I was like, holy shit, you know, how much for CDs? They're like buck a piece. I was like, fuck yeah, here you go. And then after I paid for it, I was like, I can't believe you got this. You know, do you know about what do you know about this band? Because I was curious. And she's like, I don't know. Like, okay, thanks. (laughs) And on my way, I went and I was so happy. That's a great record. Yard sales are awesome sometimes. And uh, Steven Zalepski says, Two-Bit Thief, damn, loving that. Hearing a little bit of Buck Cherry in there, good stuff. Yeah, a little touch of Buck Cherry before there was such a thing. And then uh, 
Acid Trip Massacre Band. What a band name. Says, uh, thanks for another great episode, gents. Thank you so much. Right on. That's awesome. I like that. Good stuff. And then we also got some feedback from our friends over on Facebook. John Clark the Fourth. He let us know that he absolutely loved this episode. It's great discovering old bands on Camaro's dime. <laughs> in some <laughs> in some cases, quite literally a dime. <laughs> because of this show, I've purchased music I would have never purchased. Please do not stop the cutout bin shows. I understand the issues with playing music, but it's because of you guys that I actually search out and buy these CDs. Speaking of finding new old artists... Check out a band that released an album in 2003, Junker Jorg. Or maybe mm. Junker Jorg, I'm not sure. It's spelled J-U-N-K-E-R, second word J-O-R-G. And the album's called Ignite the Machine. He offers a money-back guarantee. And I actually took the time after I saw that to look it up on YouTube. That's some northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, some kind of metal. Mm. I dig it. I like it. I'm going to try to find that CD. And then we got a message on Facebook from a top fan. That's right. This guy, it didn't take him long. Talking about Patrick Breen. He says, okay, I'm definitely going to search out some of these CDs. Radio Vipers, Jet Circus, Power Trio from Hell, and Two-Bit Thief. These sound awesome. Actually going to listen to the previous Cutout Bin episodes for more. Aaron Camaro as far as Ambush. While I dig the music and the vocals, the production turns me off with it. I, I can understand that. <laughs> with that said, another great episode. Hope you guys can keep doing the cutout bin episodes. By the way, Aaron and Chris just saw there's a new Thin Lizzy box set out on October 23rd. It's six CDs and a DVD, tour program replicas, and Phil's poetry books, I believe. So awesome. Yeah, I've already ordered it. Have you? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and I remember the title of that was the answer to a trivia question somewhere along the line in a previous Beat the Geek. What was? The name of Phil Lynott's poetry book. Oh, right. I think you got that one right. Yeah, maybe. I'm not real familiar with his poetry, but a little bit. Well, you're about to be because you're getting two books coming your way. That's awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited to get that. There's like... 40-something unreleased songs that no one's ever heard. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't wait to get it. Oh, man, I'm going to have to check that out from the Sinzak Library one time. Well, you know, I don't collect CDs, and I might just digitize what I get and give you the CDs. I've got a home for them, my friend. Yeah, well, it comes with... I'm going to keep the, the book with the tour books and everything, and there's... I ordered the extra one that has uh, Jim Fitzgerald's prints. I'll keep, like, the paper stuff, but... For the CDs, I'll probably end up giving them to you. Well, I appreciate that, but I'm still not giving you the answers today. Oh, shit. Just like I had explained to Rock and Ron, if he's coming back on today, no cheating. This is Ron. He's going to have to do it on his own. Yeah, even if he is naked. <laughs> All right, I just closed down my video screen. And uh, let's see, we got a <laughs> got a comment from Jeff Goss. Says, cool episode, Mr. Sinzak. Here's some ambush you might enjoy. And he played the other ambush. We've talked about this band before. Yeah, I, and I forgot that we had talked about that band before, but I was like, well, that one's better than the one that Aaron played. Hey, 
Well, they are pretty <laughs> damn good. They are. Yeah, that's yeah. That might be because I really do like that other ambush band too. What was that? It was like it wasn't new wave of British heavy metal, but it was like the new wave of like the new stuff, right? Oh, that's like Swedish stuff. I don't know, but I liked it a lot. So more. long ago, but I do remember playing them. I don't remember for why. I'm just glad okay. we did. So we covered all the ambushes now on Decibel Geek. Yeah, and then our next, the next comment is my favorite one. You want to read it? <laughs> yeah, I'll read it. It's a long one. Wow. Well, this, this comes from a guy named Nick Rose, and Nick's been listening to the show for a long time. And this this warmed my heart, and I know it will, Aaron. He says, all right, I've got a list for you guys. The Cutout Bin episodes and Radio Sucks episodes are some of my favorites that you guys have done. I love finding new bands as well as rediscovering old bands that I've loved but hadn't checked out in on for a while. Now you guys asked if there were any albums that anybody has bought because of the show. I back up every CD I own into a two-terabyte hard drive. Nice. And I have a specific folder titled Decibel Geek Recommendations. That makes me so happy. Right on. That's cool. He says, where anytime I pick up a suggestion from you guys, it goes into that folder. To name a few, Ambush Desecrator from 2015, reviewed on the website, Black Trip, Shadowline, Europe, War of Kings, Somerville, City of Heroes, Motor Sister Ride, Satan, Full Discography, Talon, Foreplay, The Dead Daisies, Revolution, Ugly Kid Joe... Complete discography. I feel like I'm reading. Yeah, that's all. The whole he got all the ugly kid Joe because of us. Yeah, we're Warrant making Doggy a difference. Dog. Warrant Dog Eat Dog. The Ramones yeah. complete discography. Right Turbo on. Negro Suff- Suffragette City. Bag Bag Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats complete discography. Smashing Pumpkins Mo- Monuments to an Elegy. Right Danko on. Jones Wildcat and of course both classic '78 albums. Awesome. It says, I love finding bargain CDs, too, but out here in Denver, it's hard to find cutout bins. However, we do have a couple stores that sell mystery grab bags for like five bucks and you get 10 random CDs. I found some clunkers, but I've also discovered some amazing bands. There's one particular band called Fuzzy. Hmm. Self-titled album, early 90s. They had a single called Flashlight. Sorry for the long post, but you guys need to know that despite the podcasting world turning into a three-piece sellout version of itself... You guys are making a huge difference pushing bands that normally wouldn't get the recognition they deserve. I love this show. Does this count as a review? Yes, it does. Fuck yeah, it does. That's an awesome (laughs) review. (laughs) Man, I love that. It makes me feel so good that he got got into Ugly Kid Joe because of us, because he obviously didn't have any of it before, because now he's got the complete discography. That right there alone. And Class 678. How awesome are they? And I remember the year. See, this is cool because it makes me remember the year that I just sneaked the Smashing Pumpkins new album, Monuments to an Elegy, onto my top ten of whatever year that was because Tommy Lee played on it. Yeah, that's right. And so many other different things in here. I mean, Warrant Dog Eat Dog, a great album. You know, you talking about the Ramones. Oh, yeah, cool. he bought the whole discography. That's a lot of albums. Very cool. And before we get to our first contestant, we have to do the Geeks of the Week. These people that shared on Facebook, retweeted on Twitter last week's Camaro's Cutout Bin Volume 3. you got to do another one soon because it's gone over so well. Yeah, man. That always makes me feel good. You know, that's, that's one of those things where I always tell you, if you don't do it all the time, it becomes special. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do Camaro's Cutout Bin all the time, but... Man, I look at this stack of CDs. I got a whole shelf over here that's just dedicated to bands that I've never even listened to that I picked up on a Camaro's cutout bin kind of thing. And I could do another one next week and one after that and one after that. It would probably be a couple of months down the line before I depleted 
my arsenal here. Oh, dude, you could do the sh- you could do a Camaro's cut up and podcast on its own for years, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't be the same because we wouldn't have geeks of the week. Geeks of the week this week are Baco Covers and Fire Podcast, Matt Ashcraft, Thor Bjorn Olson, Ray Coon, Phono Lux Records and Tapes, Trevor McDougal, Robert DePasqua, Joseph Capone, Adam Cox, Bill Elam, James West, Patrick Breen, David Glenn, Shay Hargett, Grayson Gallegos, Mike Parnell, Kristen Schimbeck, Martin Winham, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Simon Cat, Warren Edward LaRue Baker, Andrew Jacobs, Aaron Baker, Jeff Taylor, Robin the Hood, Doug Fox, Ernesto Aguiar, Deadly Romantics, Stick Stickman, Bipolar Billy, JJ Mack, Hakon Bergstad, Eladio, Keith Rockford, Vet Halen, and as always, the, the Booger Fooger. Fooger. We're pretty close that time. I know, I'm trying. Not bad. Pretty awesome, all those cool people. They went out and they shared it and retweeted it. Phonolux Records and Tapes right here in Nashville. They loved it that we were talking about them last week. Yeah, I was was so happy to see that. I've been going to that store since I was a teenager. Very cool. All right, well, are you ready to get to what we are here to do today? (laughs) I'm ready to answer some questions. All right, let's do it. All right, here we are, the most important game show of all time, Beat the Geek. And we've got the reigning champion. He is the head geek, after all, talking about Chris Sinzak. And this week, we went to our Decibel Geek VIPs to find competitors worthy of the challenge of Chris Sinzak, and we're going to start it off right here. Uh-oh. Representing the entire state of Minnesota, our good friend and Decibel Geek VIP, Brian Ingbritson. What's going on, Brian? All right. I'm up to the challenge. It might be a crash and burn, but that's all right. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, with nothing on the line, you ain't got much to lose, except a whole lot of right. rock and roll street cred. So if you guys are ready, I got my questions together. Let's get right to it. It's Beat the Geek. Of course, as always, the geek goes first, and that's Chris Sinzak. So, Chris, are you ready for your first question? Yep. All right, here we go. Due to contractual reasons, this thrash metal icon was not credited when he contributed background vocals on the songs Twist of Cain and Possession on Danzig's 1998 self-titled debut album. Let me get my score sheet together. As I ask the question to Brian, Brian, do you think Chris knows the answer, or do you want to bet against him? I'll go against him on this one. All right, Chris, you are being bet against. Right off the bat, big points on the line, and your choices are James Hetfield, Dave Mustaine, Blitz Ellsworth, Joey Belladonna. Who sang backgrounds uncredited on Danzig's self-titled debut album? My gut tells me it's James Hetfield. Are you going to go with your gut? Yeah, that's my answer. That is correct. It is James Hetfield. So since you were bet against and you got it correct, that's two points for the geek right off the bat. Ooh trying to help you out all right that's okay because we got a long ways to go now brian your question is up and it is this it's the battle of the 1989 rock albums which of the following albums released in 1989 
ranked the highest on the U.S. Billboard Albums chart. So what I got is four albums that came out in 1989. Does Brian know which of the four ranked the highest? Chris, do you want to bet against him? Let's keep it interesting. I'll bet against him. All right, Brian, right back at you. You are being bet against the highest-ranking album on the U.S. Billboard album charts in 1989. Was it Tesla's? Great Radio Controversy, L.A. Guns, Cocked and Loaded, Warrant's Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich, or White Lion's Big Game? Oh, you got to go with Tesla on that, I think. That is incorrect. Ah. L.A. Guns, Cocked and Loaded came in at 45. White Lion, Big Game... Landed at 19. Tesla, with no great way. radio controversy, was at 18. And Warren's debut album ranked in at 10. Oh. So. Interesting. I thought it for sure for a debut album, that was a that was well played. I was kind of surprised at that sure. one myself. I would have probably <laughs> got that wrong, I'm guessing. Well, that, may, that, that was on the strength of heaven, I bet. You bet. I mean, I had it, I suppose. Put yeah. the ballad on there. You're right. Yep. All right. Chris bet against you, but you got it wrong, so Chris gets one point. Wow, three to nothing already at Beat the Geek. And we go back to Chris. Keith Olsen is a famous record producer who had a hand in the creation of many well-loved hard rock and metal albums. He was involved in all of the following recordings, except... Now, I've got four albums here. Keith Olsen produced three of them. One of them he did not. Brian, does Chris know the answer? I doubt it, but I'm, I'm not going to bet against him on this one. All you right. doubt it. Brian doubts it, <laughs> but he's playing it safe. <laughs> Was it Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears? Scorpion's Crazy World? White Snake's Slip of the Tongue? Or Lita Ford's Lita? Well, he didn't produce No More Tears because Michael Wagner produced it. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, I got a problem here. you have here. a faulty question? This is a faulty question. Or I don't know why I got No More Tears. I <laughs> Fuck. Well, let's, let's go to the Google. All right, yeah. Which album did, yeah. Well, I want to see if, is Michael not credited as a producer on No More Tears? Well, no, because he he produced the original version. No, wait. No. No, you're thinking of Osmosis. Yeah, that's right. So who did produce No More Tears? Wow, that's weird. Well, he's got he's listed as the mixer for that. It's Dwayne Barron and John Perdell. Well, either way, it's not it's not Keith Olsen. Oh, shit. I got a faulty question here. Ooh. And I'm not sure how this happened. Okay, I Michael well. Michael produced it. Ah, uh, fuck. I don't know how to resolve this. I'm gonna have go to come. Do, up, I'm gonna have to come up with another question real quick. Well, we can do the other three choices, and I can see which one is he listed as producer on your what your you at? I think so, unless I typoed this. Oh, well, we can still do one out of three. Okay, all right. I guess I don't feel right about that. What so. were the, what were the other three? Okay, choices? the other three are Scorpions' Crazy World, White Snake's Slip of the Tongue, or Lita Ford Lita. Uh, that makes it harder because I'm not sure. 
Um, huh. I'll say, oof, God, they're all they all sound so similar. I'll say White Snake slip of the tongue. Well, that sucks because that would be incorrect. Because I, as far as I know, he did produce that one. Oh, okay. And Was Crazy World by Scorpions. And I thought, I guess, unless I mess something up here, No More Tears by Ozzy. But he did not, I know for sure, produce Lita Ford album. Oh, shit. <laughs> so it was Crazy World? My game show days are over. That's it. I'm out of here. That's been Beat the Geek this week. This has been your super episode. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed it. Wisconsin's coming out so clear. God Wait, damn. so <laughs> so which one did he not do? Lita Ford, I thought. Okay. Because, yeah, he did do. I knew he did Scorpions. Hang on a second. Let me look at this. I'm gonna have to. You guys just hang on a second. Even the even the game show host is cheating. What the fuck? I'm not cheating. I'm just <laughs> ignorant. Apparently, I'm just playing. I'm ignorant uh, to the facts of my own game show. This is awful. Okay, let me see. Keith Olson. Let me look on the Wikipedia. They're always right, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is. You know, my wife's a first-time listener, too. You guys are putting on a great show. I bet. <laughs> she's so impressed. Yeah, she's like, you listen to this shit every week? What the fuck? Well, she no, she wonders why I get <laughs> oh, this thing every month. Oh, that's what like, it was. She's, what's Patreon? What's Patreon? <laughs> we, like, we appreciate podcast. the support. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> she shut me down. Uh, yeah, next thing you know, she'll say, can I have $100 so I can co-host the Decibel Geek podcast? Yeah, bring her, bring her on. If she knows deep tracks for docking, then we'd love to have her on. Yeah, if you're quizzing her on the rat, I'm sure she could do just fine. I figured out where so, my mistake Jenna, is. Hello? What happened? It was supposed to be no rest for the wicked. For some reason, oh. I wrote. Yeah, I messed that up. And he produced that one, right? Yes. So it was the lead So album. that was a typo on my part. So who um, produced the lead album? I have no idea. I don't. Oh, not okay. Keith Olsen. <laughs> I'm going to look it up now. Um, no points awarded. <laughs> all right. You may have to do and an we, emergency. And we, move, we move on from there. Oh, man. Mike, this, Chap, Mike Chapman produced Lita. All right. Well, I knew it that's wasn't Keith Olsen, but yeah, that was a typo on my part right there. But I guess it didn't really affect it. He would have got it wrong anyway, I don't anyway, know why Keith would have bet against him. He's not even on the line. Would have confused the hell out of everything. <laughs> Let's just forget this ever happened and move on to our next question. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad I'm not the host of this show. <laughs> All right, Brian, it's on you. In 2001, Lemmy did a 20 questions interview with Metal Sludge. He was given a list of singers and asked to rank them. Out of the following, who did he rank highest? So I got four vocalists, and in Lemmy's opinion, which one's the best? Chris, do you think Brian knows the answer? I'll say yes. All right. You're not being bet against, Brian. Your choices are, is Lemmy's favorite? Is it Jeff Tate, Ozzy Osbourne, Bruce Dickinson, or James Hetfield? Nuts. I was hoping Dee Snyder would be in there. Uh, Bruce Dickinson. That is incorrect. 
Was it Ozzy? In 2001, when Lemmy did that interview with Metal Sludge, he ranked Jeff Tate number 10. That's as high as you can get. And then he ranked Ozzy 9, Bruce Dickinson 8, and James Hetfield 7. So Jeff Tate is the correct answer. Chris did not bet against you. No points awarded. And just for the fun of it, he also ranked Kid Rock as a 1, Phil Anselmo as a 2, but he ranked Janie Lane up there as a 6. That's good. Just when you think you know Lemmy. He had good taste. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. Score stands at three to nothing, but we've got a little ways to go. And, of course, we still got the kiss round coming up. So, Chris, the question Uh goes to you. And what a paradox this is going to be. It's a game show about rock and roll with a question about rock and roll and a game show. In 2018... This female rocker appeared on Jeopardy, went on a four-night run, and won more than $87,000. Brian, do you think Chris knows who this genius rock chick is? I think he does. All right, Chris, you are not being bet against. In 2018, she won $87,000 on Jeopardy. Was it Susie Quattro, Nancy Wilson, Jackie Fox? Or Debbie Harry? I have no fucking idea. Um, <laughs> Jackie Fox is a lawyer, so I'll guess Jackie Fox. That is correct. Oh, wow. Total Jackie guess. Fox from The Runaways. She was a smart one. Won $87,000 on Jeopardy. Not bad. Four nights in a row. Pretty cool. You were not bet against, but you got it right. So you get a point. And that brings the score up four to nothing. The question goes back to Brian. The cover art of Rick Springfield's 1981 album Working Class Dog features a dog wearing a suit and tie. But what kind of dog (laughs) is it? Chris, do you think Brian knows the answer to this? Brian seems pretty knowledgeable to me, so I'm going to say he knows this one. All right, Chris with a pretty good lead, and he's playing it safe. Brian, what kind of dog was on the cover of Working Class Dog by Rick Springfield? Was it a Doberman Pinscher, a Bull Terrier, a French Poodle, or an English Bulldog? Bull Terrier on that one. That is correct. Now, you weren't bet against, but you got it right, so that's a point right there. Yeah, you little Spuds McKenzie-looking little Woo-hoo. dog. Yeah, that was actually Rick Springfield's dog. I did not know that. Yeah, and, that, and apparently in the Sound City documentary, they say that that dog was trying to bite people through the whole process of the recording of that record. Nice. <laughs> I bet she just loved being put in that suit, shirt, and tie then. Yeah, probably not. All right, question now goes back to Chris. In the 1991 Oliver Stone film, The Doors, this famous rock musician plays the role of Jim Morrison's friend, Cat. Brian, does Chris know the answer to this question? Famous rock musician that did it. Uh, no. All right. Good move. You're being bet against. You need some points. It's up four to one right now. Chris, here are your choices. Was it Billy Squire, Billy Gibbons, Billy Idol, or Billy Joe Armstrong? I love this movie, and I'm pretty sure that it's Billy Idol. That is correct. 
Billy Idol played yeah. the role of Cat, Jim Morrison's you said buddy. Billy Idol, I knew that. Yep. All right. Well, sometimes you got to gamble and sometimes you lose. You got to. You got that correct. That means two points for Chris. That brings the score up six to one. But never fear. Six. I thought the kiss round is here. Double the points. Let's do it. Brian, you're up. All right. Answer the question that Gene Simmons got wrong on who wants to be a millionaire in 2008. The word pachyoderm is derived from the Greek word for this physical feature. Chris, it's the kiss round. It's double the points. This was a question that knocked Gene Simmons out of who wants to be a millionaire in 2008. Is Brian smarter than Gene Simmons? I don't know, but I so wish this was my question because I absolutely know the answer. Um, I'll say he doesn't know it. All right, double the points, Brian, and you are being bet against. And a question that really truly has nothing to do with rock and roll, except for the fact that Gene Simmons got it wrong. We're going to find out if you're smarter than Gene Simmons. These are your choices. Pachyoderm. Does it mean long nose, three toes, brush-like tail, or thick skin? That would be the uh, that'd be the thick skin. Ah, that is correct. And man, what a difference that makes because Chris did bet against you. And so that's double the points. One, two, three, four. And man, does the kiss round change things some sometimes because now the score, Chris is in the lead with six. But man, you brought it right up and you've got five. Nice. Got to love the kiss round. All right, Chris. Feel a little uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris. It's your turn in the kiss round, and your question is this, and it's another game show related question. What a paradox we're living in. How much money did Gene Simmons win for the Glacier Pediatrics AIDS Foundation when he appeared as a contestant on "Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader"? In 2008. Brian, Chris clearly knows his KISS trivia, but does he know if Gene Simmons is actually smarter than a fifth grader? Oh, we're going for it. I don't think so. All right, Chris, you are being bet against. For his charity, did Gene Simmons in 2008 win $500,000? Ten thousand dollars, one thousand dollars, or zero dollars. I never saw this. Um, so this is going to be a complete guess. I'll say ten thousand dollars. That is incorrect. Mm. You should have put your faith in the demon because he went home with five hundred thousand dollars for his chosen charity, and man. You were bet against, and you got it wrong. In the kiss round, Brian takes the lead, seven to six. Damn. Interesting. And now we've only got two more questions left. Let's do a movie round, huh? It'll be fun. (laughs) Brian, your question. 
in the movie Wayne's World, in the scene where Kim Bassinger's character Honey is seducing Garth, she offers him a drink, lowers the lights, and plays some smooth, sexy jazz. When she asks Garth if he loves the music, he requests that she plays this band. Chris, you're down by one point with only two questions to go. Are you going to bet against him in the movie round? I guess I need to catch up, so yeah, I'll bet against him. All right, Brian, you are being bet against. The lights are low. The drinks are cold. Love is in the air. But Garth wants to hear this. Is it Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Megadeth, or Suicidal Tendencies? Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Megadeth, or Suicidal Tendencies. Uh, What's Garth's ideal lovemaking music? Judas Priest. That is incorrect. When Garth wants to get it on, he needs his Megadeth. So close. I've seen that movie so many times, I don't even remember that. Well, you were. Right, I don't remember that scene at all. Well, you were bet against, and you got it wrong. So Chris gets the point. So now we're tied at 7-7, seven to seven, and it comes down to this final question. In the cinematic masterpiece, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, when the pair go to hell, Bill tells Ted that if he dies, he wants Ted to have all his records by this band. Brian, it's do or die right here. Do you want to bet against Chris or not? Well, you got to. You got to. Of course he does. Chris, this is it, buddy. Right down to the line. Your choices are Van Halen, Black Sabbath, Dokken, or Megadeth. Hmm. I want to say it's Megadeth. I'll say Megadeth. That is correct. Wow. You knew it was the movie round, but you didn't know it was the Megadeth round also. Yep, that's right. Megadeth is the answer. You got it correct, and you were bet against. That's two points. What a game. This is awesome. Final score, Chris wins 9-7, to but, man, that was close. Nice job, Brian. Yeah, that worked out nice. That was fun. Well, thank you so much for being a... Chris keeps to keep the crown. I get to have a little fun. It's good. Well, thanks for being a uh, definitely great. Patreon VIP. We really appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I you know I got to give you guys a review because I, I apologize for being such an ass. I've been listening to you since probably episode ten, and, wow, and nice. haven't even put a review. You know, I've been on the show twice now. You guys are killer. You go to the top of my podcast list every week, and uh, and I just keep hope, hope you guys keep doing what you're doing. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, nice, man. man. We appreciate you, too. If you want to become a Decibel Geek VIP, just like Brian, all you got to do is go to patreon.com, look up Decibel Geek Podcast, find your level of commitment, and you're going to get a bunch of extra stuff. It's just that's cool. And when we're looking for contestants for Decibel Geek, things like this or other contributions that can be made, the Decibel Geek VIPs are the very first people we look to. So, Brian, thank you so much for playing Beat the Geek today, man. That was close. You did. A, that was a hell of a valiant effort. We almost pulled her out. 
All right, here we go. Round two of Beat the Geek Week here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. Chris is carrying some serious momentum into this second matchup, but his opponent this week, he's been a friend of ours for a long, long time. If you've been listening to the show recently, you heard the awesome-ass review he gave us just a week or two ago. This man is a VIP like I said, he's been with our friend for a long time. Actually came and visited us one time. I'm talking about Paul Korn. What's going on, Paul? Hey, man, just living the dream in a hotel room in the middle of Illinois. <laughs> it's the rock and roll lifestyle. There, there you go. <laughs> so, well, now that, now that you've brought things down, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Well, like I said, Chris is carrying some momentum into this matchup. He just beat Brian Engbertson, but it was a really, really close game. So, we're going to find out, is Chris going to run the sweep on Beat the Geek Week all three in a row? Paul, you've got an opportunity to put a quick stop to him. What state are you representing today? I'm actually representing the state of Oklahoma. Representing the state of Oklahoma, Minnesota has already fallen, but now your proud son, Paul Korn, has got a chance to represent right here on Beat the Geek. So as always, Chris, you're the geek. You're up first. Are you ready? Yep. Here we go. The rock and roll tradition of holding up lighters began in 1969 at the Toronto Rock and Roll Festival. When the announcer and MC of the evening encouraged the crowd to light their matches and flick their bicks to welcome John Lennon to the stage, who was this genius of a host? Paul, Chris's question is up first, but that means you got a choice. Do you want to bet against him or not? I'm going to say he knows this one. All right, Chris. Paul's playing it safe off the start. Your choices are Wolfman Jack. Kim Fowley, George Carlin, or Andy Warhol? Jesus Christ. That wasn't an answer. No, no, it wasn't. No, Jesus it was Christ. not Jesus. <laughs> but uh, I got to say hats off to Aaron Camaro for an insanely hard question. Just because it's so outside the box, I'll say George Carlin. That is incorrect. Mm. The man that actually started the tradition of flicking your bicks for the bands was Kim Foley. Didn't know that. Wow. So you got it wrong, but Paul did not bet against you, so no points awarded. Mm. All right, Paul, it's on to you. We've got a couple of these mixed in this week, and I like these because it's like a question within a question. It's a game show within a game show. In 1988... Charlie Benante appeared on the MTV game show Remote Control and dominated his opponents. Who were the Anthrax drummer's hapless victims that day? Chris, your chance to get some points, even though you missed out on some in the first question. Do you want to bet against Paul? I don't know, man. Paul's like right in the same age range as me and probably watched that episode, so I'm not going to bet against him. 
All right, Paul, you are not being bet against. That day on the MTV game show, Remote Control, it was Charlie Benante versus, was it, Lorraine Lewis and Dizzy Dean Davidson, Tico Torres and Lonnie Vincent, Chuck Biscuits and Mick Cripps, or Juan Cruchier and Chuck Billy? Oh, man. It seems like I remember this. Uh, I think I'm just a little bit older than you guys. I was born in 74, so I think we were watching at the same time. I want to say I, I want to say there was a chick on there, so I'm going to go with uh, Dizzy Dean, and I don't remember her name. Lorraine Lewis from Femme Fatale. Yes. And that is correct. Yeah, I knew that one. All that right. That is correct. You got that one right, but you were not bet against, so one point goes to Paul Korn, and that puts you in the lead. To get things started here. All right. Two questions in, one point awarded. Off to a slow start. Let's see how it goes from here. Chris, it's your question. And it's a Facebook popularity contest. Yeah. According to the number of likes on their main Facebook pages, which of the following four bands is the most Facebook popular? So I'm going to list four bands. They've all got Facebook pages. They've all got likes. Paul, do you think Chris knows which one is most popular? I'm going to say no. All right, Chris, you are being bet against. Now, which of these four bands is most Facebook popular? Is it Disturbed, Rage Against the Machine, Corn, or your favorite band, Nickelback? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have to go with gut instinct on this. I'll say corn. That is incorrect. Damn. Rage Against the Machines got 4.4 million likes. Disturbs got 10 million. Corn's got 12 million. And counting Chris Sinzak, Nickelback has 17 million likes. On their Facebook page. No, no, no counting. Cow. No counting, Chris Sinzak. What the fuck? It's a sad day. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. They did a, a cover of uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia, and it's actually pretty damn good. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to save that clip and play it again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to save that forever. That's that's years of material to come right there. Every it's, time it's Chris Sinzak tries to tell me a band sucks, I'm going to play that. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. I mean, like, the funny thing is, is Korn was one of the choices, and Korn did a cover of that song. It's way better than Korn's version, I'll say that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Paul, did you bet against Chris? All this chaos has made me forget. I did. You no, did bet against Chris, and Chris got it wrong, so you get the point, and that makes the score two to nothing in wow. Paul's favor. Well, damn. Woo-hoo. You like the Facebook popularity contest? Well, I got one more for you, Paul. This is your question. According to okay. the number of likes on their main Facebook pages, which of the following four iconic guitarists is the most Facebook popular? Chris, you want to bet against him? You no. bet against you. Nope. All right, Paul, you're not being bet against. One point on the line. Which of these is most Facebook popular? Is it George Lynch, Nuno Betancourt, Vito Brada, or Mick Mars? Hmm. 
I'm going to kind of go with my gut here, just based on popularity overall. I'm going to say McMars. That is incorrect. It's Nuno. That's right. It is Nuno. Yep. Vito Brada's got about 4.4 thousand. George Lynch has got 183,000. Mick Mars, only 159,000. I was surprised at that. But most surprising is the fact that Nuno Betancourt comes at number one with 277,000 likes on Facebook. All right, Paul, you got it wrong, but you were not bet against, so no points awarded. The score remains two to nothing. What a barn burner this one is. You're welcome. All right, Chris, the question is yours. Mean Streak is considered to be one of the very first all-female thrash metal bands. They lasted from 1985 to 1994 and released one album in 1988. What's really interesting is that three members of Mean Streak would all go on to marry three members of this band. It's weird. It's really weird how these things turn out. But yeah, that's how it is. Paul, which band did three female members of Mean Streak marry? Do you think Chris knows the answer? I actually think that I know this one. And if I know this one, I think he will too. So I'm not going to bet against him. All right, Chris, you're not being bet against. So it's four ladies in the band Mean Streak. But three of them all marry members of this one other band is that band dream theater overkill anthrax or yNT Jesus Christ um wow I've never even heard of this band mean streak I just know it as a yNT record uh I guess I'll just I'll go with the yNT connection and say yNT that is incorrect. Uh. <laughs> what a weird thing this is so this band they're one of the first ever all-female thrash metal bands and they run their course they come out with a one album i'm dying to hear it now after learning about this but three of the members go on to marry three members of dream theater mm-hmm. that's news to me how does that happen i do not know you got it wrong but you were not bet against so no points <laughs> awarded all right, we can turn things around here. The score is two to nothing, and it's Paul's question. In the mid-1990s, the band Warrant replaced Joey Allen and Stephen Sweet with Rick Steer and James Kotak, who played in this band together before joining Warrant. So they were in a band together, and they got the gig in Warrant together. Chris, do you think he knows which band they came from? Paul knows his stuff, so I got to think he knows this one. I certainly do. All right, two to nothing. You're not being bet against. Your choices are Crimson Glory, Dirty Looks, Fast Way, or Kingdom Come. Oh, geez. You don't know this one? I don't. Wow, I'm not, I'm not the hugest. I'm not the hugest warrant fan um it's not about warren it's about the other band (laughs) yeah but i i didn't really pay attention to those guys as much as i did some other bands can you give me the choices one more time it's crimson glory 
Dirty Looks, Fast Way, or Kingdom Come? Oh, jeez. This is a total guess. Uh, I'm going to go with Kingdom Come. That is correct. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Chris did not bet against you, but you got it right, so that's one point, man. That puts you up three to nothing. All that taunting in that question, and it doesn't do Chris any good. Nope. (laughs) Wow. All right, nice one. Good guess. That brings it back to Chris, and your question is this. The 1989 album The Headless Children by Wasp features the likenesses of all the following people except I'm going to list four people. Three of them, their likenesses were on the cover of The Headless Children. Paul, does Chris know his Wasp? Yeah, I think he does. All right, Chris, Paul's playing it safe with his three-to-nothing lead, and your choices are this. Al Capone, Benito Mussolini, Charles Manson, and Mark David Chapman. Which one is not on the cover of The Headless Children? Oh, it's a guess. Al Capone? That is incorrect. Oh, shit. Al Capone, Benito Mussolini, Charles Manson, a bunch of KKK guys, Aldolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin. They're all on there. But the killer of John Lennon, Mark David Chapman, is not on the cover of The Headless Children. Wow. You were not bet against, and you got it wrong. No points awarded. I'm starting to see a theme here. (laughs) Conservative. All right, well. That all goes out the window because now it's time for the kiss round. Double the points. That's right. And the question goes to Paul, who holds a three to nothing lead. Paul Stanley likes to tell the story that one time in the 70s, Ace was in a liquorless limousine. And in a pinch, he needed some fuel to build a fire, so to speak. And he drank this. <laughs> Chris, does Paul know what Ace Fraley was willing to drink in order to catch a buzz? Well, I do, but I need points, so I'll say he doesn't know this one. All right, that makes it big points on the line in the kiss round. Ace Fraley, man, he loved to drink, but was he willing to drink Pine Sol, Perfume, Listerine, or Windex? Oh, gosh. Sage really we're talking about in the 70s, yeah. no less. I'm trying to think of what would be in it. You said it was in a limousine? He was in a limousine. He had nothing to drink. His choices oh. are Pine Sol, Perfume, Listerine, or Windex. I've heard of people drinking perfume, like if they're serious alcoholics, but I can't imagine perfume being in a limo. Uh, so I'm going to go with Windex. Oh, you should have went with perfume because that is the answer. Oh, yeah, when they told him, you know, there's a lot of alcohol in perfume, he chugged it on down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ace Frehley drank perfume. Chris Zizak, he bet against you in the kiss round. Ouch. That's two points for him. Nice. Techni- technically, it was cologne. I, well, what I read said perfume. Oh, okay. 
But I didn't oh, want to this put this game is a travesty. But I didn't put cologne <laughs> in those choices. You know, it wasn't think, like it wasn't like pine salt, cologne, perfume, listerine. You think this is a travesty? You should have heard the first round. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't no joke. <laughs> Now, that one I can get by on a technicality. The first round, yeah, no, there was no getting by that. That was just bad uh, bad game show production in that one. <laughs> but golly, in one question, we've really tightened this thing up. Oh, big score. Three points for Paul, two points for Chris, neck and neck all of a sudden. Oh, man. <laughs> Hey, they can't all be exciting, but we are still in the kiss round, and so that makes it very important. And this question goes to Chris. After starring as Melissa in Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park in 1978, Deborah Ryan would go on to appear in all of the following TV series, except, I'm going to list four TV series, she appeared on three of them, but not that fourth one. Paul, you know Chris is a crazy Kiss fan. Do you think he knows the answer? I'm going to say no on this one. That's a little obscure to follow somebody's career past the one interesting movie they did. You're All smart. All right, there you go. So it's uh, <laughs> the score is 3-2, to two, a big one-point difference, and it goes to Chris. Which of the following TV shows was Deborah Ryan not in? Was it BJ and the Bear? Chips, the Dukes of Hazard, or Simon and Simon? This is a total guess. Um, I'll say Simon and Simon because that came later. That is incorrect. Uh, she actually did appear in Simon and Simon and Chips and BJ and the Bear. You know, BJ McKay and his best friend Bear. <laughs> but she did not appear in the Dukes of Hazard. You didn't get it right, but you were not bet against in the kiss round where it could have been four points on the line, zero awarded. And we go into the last two questions with the score, Paul up by one point, three to two. Did did I not bet against him there? Oh, you did. I thought you did bet against him. You 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 did. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. <laughs> See, this is where I need some assistance here. So you did bet against him. He I'm got it those wrong. Marys. <laughs> so that's two points in the kiss round. Boy, that changes things. Paul, you're now up five to two. Way to keep track for yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally doomed now. Because nobody else is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, that brings it to your final question. You're up five to two. And this is it. <laughs> Who was once quoted as saying that Eddie Kramer couldn't produce a healthy fart? Whoa. <laughs> now, you know, most people that have worked with Eddie Kramer love him. They think he's awesome. But somebody, eh, they didn't think that. Chris, does Paul know... Who thinks Eddie Kramer couldn't produce a healthy fart? I need points, so I have to bet against him. All right, Paul. Very important right here. You are being bet against. Your choices are Bond Scott, Steven Tyler, 
Ozzy Osbourne or Ted Nugent? I am 99% sure that I know this one. I am pacing my hotel room right now (laughs) nervously. But it seems like I have seen this in print, and I'm going to go with Bon Scott. That is correct. Wow. (laughs) Good for you, man. Nice one. Wow. So you got it right, and you were bet against. That's two points. Wow. I think <laughs> I think we know party. where this one's going. <laughs> I had, I did not know that at all. That's a good one right there. I'm, that was a deep one too. That that was a good question. Why all the hate from Bon Scott for Eddie Kramer? They never even worked together. Exactly. They must have tried. That's crazy. Wow. All right, there we go. The score with one question left. Paul Korn in the lead, seven. Chris Sinzak, defending champion, just came off a real squeaker of a win. Getting his ass kicked, he's got two points. But (laughs) there's one question left. What the hell, right? (laughs) Why not? Right. All right, Chris, it's yours. This singer was Robert Plant's inspiration when writing the lyrics to Going to California. Who is the girl with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair? Paul, you got a big lead. There's no reason to Mm -hmm. bet. Even if you do, he can't score enough points to even touch you. What do you want to do? (laughs) Still going to bet against him. Let's do it. He's going to bet against you. What the hell? Why not? How can you lose? (laughs) Chris, was the girl with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair? Was that Juice Newton? <laughs> Marianne Faithful, Joni Mitchell, or Marie Osmond? Funny thing is, is, I heard going to California yesterday when I was painting my house, and I was like, this might be my favorite Zeppelin song. But at the same time, I don't know who the hell the song's about. Oh, Can you give me the options again? I'm sorry. Your one and only true love, Juice Newton, Marianne Faithful, <laughs> Joni Mitchell, and Marie Osmond. I'll say Joni Mitchell. That is correct. And since Paul bet against you, it really doesn't fucking matter. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but you brought it a little bit closer, Chris. You got your ass kicked that time. It was a real slow crawl to get there, but here we are in the end. Paul Korn wins, representing the state of Oklahoma with a score of seven to Chris Sinzak's four. Aaron, why do you sound happier when I lose? I don't know. I was just hoping somebody was going to win that one. It sat at two points for most of the match. I'm just fucking I'm just glad somebody won. <laughs> that was a very slow burn, but it was worth it in the end. Congrats, Corny. You did it, Corn. How's Thank it you, feel, sir. brother? Feels pretty good. Feels pretty dang good. You put Chris Sinzak down. Well, I will say I'm at least accurate in one thing. When you uh, visited us with uh, Natalie, we I kept referring to her as your wife, and that eventually came through. Came true. It so did. I, I'll take credit for that. Oh, and I'm looking in the rule <laughs> yeah. book here. I'm looking in the rule book here. That's worth four points. Chris Sinzak wins. 
Woo! <laughs> <laughs> hey, I married her, so I win. So, hey, if you want yeah. the points, you can have them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we are, round three of Beat the Geek this week on Decibel Geeks Beat the Geek Week. So far, Chris has won, Chris has lost, but now things get really interesting. What happens when Rock and Ron won? doesn't have the answers, and two, doesn't have a buzz on. It should be interesting. Rock and Ron, are you ready to see what happens when you can't cheat and you don't drink and you face off against Chris Sinzak on Beat the Geek? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, I drank for both of us. Well, shit. Unlike last time, I guess I'm going to make Chris real happy then. When we did this the first time, you were kind of iffy about doing Beat the Geek because you thought you would get trounced. And so that was the impetus behind, hey, let's cheat with Ron, and it'll be fucking hilarious, which, yeah. you know, according to plan, it was. But this yeah, time it's guys. a little different. See, that was reverse psychology that I used on Aaron to get him to feel sorry for me and send me the answers. It totally worked. It totally worked last time. But, Ron, this time, I don't feel bad for you at all. So if you guys are ready, I'm ready. Let's do it. It's time for Beat the Geek. All right. As always, the very first question goes to the geek. That's Chris Sinzak. Chris Sinzak. Chris, are you ready for your first question? You can't even get my name right after nine years, but okay. And I'm the sober one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, for once you are. <laughs> All right, Chris, here's the first question. In 1976, which incident happened to Cheap Trick the night before they were scheduled to meet with epic executives and sign their first major recording contract. So the night before Cheap Trick was scheduled to meet with Epic Records and sign that big record contract for the first time ever, something crazy happened. Rock and Ron, does Chris know the answer to this question? No. All right, Chris, right off the bat, hot and heavy. Rock and Ron's bringing it, that's and he's strategy. betting against you. That's my strategy. I'm going to bet against him every time so that I can get default points at least. All right, that might be the key to winning this game. We'll see how it goes. Chris, your choices are Rick Nielsen got stabbed in a bar fight. Buddy Carlos fell and broke his arm. Robin Zander came down with strep throat, or Tom Peterson got arrested at a strip club. What happened to Cheap Trick the night before they signed their first ever recording contract? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, I'll say Robin Zander got strep throat. That is incorrect. Bunny Carlos actually fell down and broke his arm, and if you're a drummer in a band... You're about to sign your first major recording contract. You probably don't want to do that. Unless you're Def Leppard. Yeah, this this was pre-Def Leppard then, huh? It definitely was. 
and Rock and Ron using your strategy of betting against. So far, so good, because Chris got it wrong. You bet against him, so you get the point. Rock and Ron's up one to nothing without the help of alcohol or chicanery. There we go. All right, Ron, the question now is yours. Which is the only member of the classic Guns N' Roses lineup to graduate high school? It's not Axl Rose. Chris, does Ron know which member of the original Guns N' Roses was the only one to graduate high school? Why don't we just make this a fair fight? If he's going to bet against me every time, I'll just bet against him every time. Is that the way no. we're doing this? Because that would make Why? it easy for me. Why not? I'll okay, here him. we go. All bets are on. The final round to beat the geek. This shit just got really exciting. So, Ron, you are being bet against. And your choices are Duff McKagan, Izzy Stradlin, Slash, or Steven Adler. I told you Chris still holds a grudge against me. (laughs) (laughs) All right there, uh, Aaron. The the answer is... Duff McKagan, Izzy Stradlin, Slash, or Steven Adler. Yeah, I got it. Duff McKagan. That is incorrect. The only on my cheat sheet at all. (laughs) The printer ran out of ink before that question. Yeah, but a a six-piece chicken McNugget was on your cheat sheet, right? (laughs) Uh, There was something on there, yeah. Yeah, as Izzy Stradlin hung out in Indiana long enough to get his high school diploma before he kicked on out to L.A., so that is incorrect. Chris Sinzak did bet against you as we're doing this whole game. So the score is tied one to one, all based on incorrect answers so far. <laughs> so it was Izzy that graduated? It was That's Izzy, wrong. yes. Damn it, I was going to say Izzy. No, you weren't. You said Duff. Yeah, I was. I was just taking it easy on you. Bullshit. All right. <laughs> Chris, back to you. Let's go way, way back for this one. You like this old classic rock. Inspired by a night of partying with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, Mickey Dolans of the Monkees wrote a song, Randy Scouse Git. What does Randy Scouse Git mean in English slang? You follow me on that? I think so. All right, Rock and Ron, do you think he knows it? He's an old school rock fan. Does he know his monkeys? Oh, he knows his monkeys, all right. But we're uh, betting against them, right? We're going, everybody's going betting against, right? I'm not yeah. going to. I'm all not right, going to. All right, betting against, yeah. All right, I'm not going to ask anymore because we've already decided everybody's betting against everybody. So, Chris, you are being bet against. So, Mickey Dolan's and the Monkeys wrote the song Randy Scouse Git. What the hell does that mean? Is it a person who longs for sex but doesn't get any? An over-the-hill stripper? An overfed gluttonous pig? Or an oversexed illegitimate son of a Liverpool prostitute? All of the above. Chris, your choice. 
Jesus. Ah. Uh, you need him again? Yeah, do it again. A person who longs for sex but doesn't get any. An over-the-hill stripper. An overfed gluttonous pig. Or an oversexed illegitimate son of a Liverpool prostitute. I'll say an over-the-hill stripper. That is incorrect. All right. After a night of hanging out with the Beatles, you got to write a song about an oversexed, illegitimate son of a Liverpool prostitute, right? So Rock and Ron bet against you. You got it wrong. So that brings the score up. When he said Randy, he meant to say Ron. So That's the new word for horny, everybody. It's Rondy. So based on no questions answered correctly so far... The score is Ron, two, Chris, one, and the question goes to Ron. In the early 90s, Lemmy requested to record a song with this female pop music icon, but was denied permission by Sony Records. Who was the artist that Lemmy wanted to record with? Now, this is way outside the box of Motorhead. Chris, we already established you are betting against Ron. So, Ron, your choices are Whitney Houston, Madonna, Janet Jackson, or Reba McIntyre. Who did Lemmy want to do a song with? Hmm. It was early 90s. Early 90s. Um. Whitney Houston, Madonna, Janet Jackson, or Reba McIntyre. All right, I'm going to go with Madonna. That is incorrect. <laughs> so based yeah. on your incorrect answer with Chris Benton against you, Chris gets a point. We're four questions in. Nobody has gotten anything right, but the answer <laughs> was Janet Jackson. Yeah. Do you yeah, guys like remember the song Black Cat by Janet yeah, Jackson? Nikki Six co-wrote it. That song was freaking awesome. It was like the best thing Janet Jackson ever did. It had this rocking guitar. Lemmy wanted to be on that. Yeah, because L- Lemmy, uh, Lemmy liked the dark meat. I'll just say that. Lemmy wanted to be on the Super Bowl halftime show, too. <laughs> and show his nipple. Thank <laughs> God that is happen. It's got a mole on it. Oh, this is great. So here we are. Four questions in. Nobody's gotten anything right. And the score is two to two. How exciting. <laughs> it's close. Oh, it's tied. All right. Let's see if we can separate the pack here a little bit. Chris, it's back to you. And your question is this. Battle of the 1987 rock albums. Yeah, it's back. Which of the following albums released in 1987 ranked the highest on the U.S. Billboard album charts. You are being bet against. Chris, your choices are Alice Cooper, Raise Your Fist and Yell, Great White, Once Bitten, Dio, Dream Evil, or Fraley's Comet, Self-Titled Debut. Which of these four albums ranked the highest on the U.S. Billboard album charts in 1987? I'll say Great White. That is correct. Of course it is. And since Ron bet against you, that's two points. 
That brings the score up four to two. That's right. Gray White placed at 23. Alice Cooper, it's crazy. Raise Your Fist and Yell only made it to 73. But Dio, Dream Evil, and Fraley's Comet tied at 43. That was way too easy. Oh, you think so? Well, here's an easy one for you, Ron. In 1969, during an infamous Alice Cooper performance, an audience member threw a live chicken on stage. The coop attempted to return the bird. Well, that erupted into chaos when the audience tears the animal to shreds. Yikes. What country did this insane thing happen in? All right, Ron, your choices. You are being bet against. We've set the standard. Your choices are Mexico, the United States, Canada, or the United Kingdom. All right, so the the question was, what country was he in when he did that? Yeah, they threw a bird up on stage. He tossed it back in. They ripped it to shreds. Where are these crazy people from? Are they from Mexico, the United States, Canada, or the United Kingdom? Oh, boy. I, I did know all about that in the, the documentary on him. Said he threw it back out because he thought it was a bird and it would fly. But, of course, I can't remember what country he said he was in. So we're going to go with... Where are the craziest-ass chicken rippers from? Uh, We're going to go with the U.S. Nope, Canada. You know, you would think so. You know, when you think about people from around the world, you think, who would tear apart a live chicken? And you just don't think... Canadians, and that's where it was. Ron, you got it wrong. You were bet against. Chris gets the point. Chris <laughs> takes the lead, five to two. I knew the answer to that one, though. That's why you don't get the Alice Cooper questions. I know, no shit. <laughs> Maybe someday you will. Well, Chris got the one question right. That's why he's got five points, right? That's true. Well, I got oh, one. Yeah. Back in two thousand five. Geezer Butler did a 20 questions interview with Metal Sludge. He was given a list of bass players to rank. Which of the following players did he rank the highest? So basically what we got here is a list. You said, hey, Geezer Butler, which one of these guys is the best? Chris Sinzak, you are being bet against. Your choices are Steve Harris, Glenn Hughes, Getty Lee, or Lemmy, who did Geezer Butler rank the highest on a bass player level? Uh, I'll say, uh, I'll say Getty Lee. That is correct. Um, and since you were bet against, that's two points for getting it correct yeah. and being bet against. Yep, he ranked Getty Lee at number nine, Steve Harris and Glenn Hughes at number eight. He ranked Lemmy at number six. It's kind of funny. He ranked Gene Simmons and Nikki Six both as threes. <laughs> but you got it right, and you were bet against. Wow, how things changed. Now all of a sudden, the score is Chris Sinzak seven, Rock and Ron two. But as I always say on these things, shit's about to change. 
Because it's yep. the kiss room. I'm going to go get some Jaeger bombs. <laughs> and the first question in the kiss round goes to a very sober, a very uninformed rock and run running. And interrupting. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, Ron, here we go. In the kiss round, the man with the tongue. Yeah, he speaks many tongues. Yeah, that's me. Gene Simmons yeah, speaks five person. languages fluently. Which of the following is not one of them? So I'm going to give you four languages. Gene Simmons speaks fluently three of them, but one of them he does not. Chris, you are betting against Ron, so here we go. Ron, your choices are Japanese, Hungarian, French, German. Gene speaks three, but not four. Which one? Chris is up seven to two. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Are you snorting coke? (laughs) (laughs) No. I need all the help I can get. All right. um, Japanese, Hungarian, French, or German? German. That is incorrect. Japanese. And that is incorrect. French. That is correct. (laughs) But way too late. Chris Sinzak bet against you. You got it wrong. It's the kiss round. Double the points. Holy shit. One, two, three, four. Chris Sinzak is now up 11 to two. Two. <laughs> yeah, this strategy did not work out right. Well, let's I like see. playing more when you're not cheating. <laughs> Yeah, this show's a lot more fun when Ron is cheating, though. <laughs> no, for you guys, not for me. <laughs> I'm All actually right. trying to take it serious, and you see how that's working out. Uh-huh. <laughs> see, this is a lesson to be learned for everybody. Chris, it's your question in the KISS round. Casablanca Records founder, Neil Bogart, passed away in 1982. At the young age of 39, what state is Neil Bogart buried in? We've already established that Rock and Ron is betting against Chris Sinzak. So your choices are New York, Connecticut, Michigan, or California. Where is Neil Bogart, the founding father of Casablanca, the man with the ingenuity to recognize the power of kiss. Man, he died way too young. That's a bummer. I didn't realize he died at 39 when yeah. I put this together. The question was what state was he in? But the question is, what state is he buried in? Yeah, stiff. Okay. It's either New York or Connecticut, and I'm trying to decide which. Um, I'm going to say New York. That's one of the things where I gotta hold myself back from laughing when you're saying it's either New York or Connecticut because it's uh, not either. California. It's California. Uh, 
That's right. Neil Bogart is buried in Culver City, California. And what is funny is a couple of years ago, my wife and I visited California. We were in Culver City. If I'd have known, I'd have went and seen his, his grave marker for sure. So, Rock and Ron bet against you. You got it wrong. It's the kiss round. Rock and Ron, you're in the game. Baby. So I got two points from that, huh? It's only 11 to 4. You can bring it back, right? Probably not. But we got two more questions, and they're good ones. So what the hell? Let's do it. This one goes to Rock and Ron. At the 2007 MTV Video Music Awards, there was an altercation between Kid Rock and Tommy Lee. According to eyewitnesses, what happened that led to both being removed by security? So something happened, and it got Kid Rock and Tommy Lee kicked out of the Video Music Awards for MTV in 2007. You're being bet against, so your choices are Tommy Lee threw a drink in Kid Rock's face. Kid Rock slapped, then punched Tommy Lee. Kid Rock spit at Pamela Anderson, or Tommy Lee sucker punched an unsuspecting Kid Rock. What went down? at the 2007 MTV Video Music Awards. Ron. Okay, I know I know it was a sucker punch. I believe I believe it was Kid Rock that sucker punched Tommy Lee. Well, that's pretty tough because that's clearly not the answer because that is not one of the questions. That's not one of the choices. Yeah, well, as you said, that Hang Kid on. Rock Ron and then punched Man. Tommy Lee. Ron, you are way better at this game. One, when you're wasted, and two, when you have all the answers ahead of time. This is true. Let me lay it down for you one more time. Tommy Lee throws a drink in Kid Rock's face. One. Two. Kid Rock slaps, then punches Tommy Lee. That's two. And that's the one I went with. Three, Kid Rock spits at Pamela Anderson. Or four, Tommy Lee sucker punches Kid Rock. I said it was Kid Rock that uh, slapped and then punched Tommy Lee. That is correct. Yeah, there we go. Took a minute to get there, but Rock and Ron knows what he's talking about. I said it was Tommy. It was Kid Rock that that punched Tommy Lee, not the other way around. But, but I don't, okay, he slapped him, then he punched him. According according to eyewitnesses that were there, Kid Rock stepped up to Tommy Lee, slapped him in his face, and then punched him in his face, and then they got escorted out by security. So Rock and Ron got it right. Chris Sinzak, you bet against him. So that is two points for Rock and Ron. Well, now we got a game here, don't we? Well, maybe not. Chris Sinzak's <laughs> got the lead 11, but Rock and Ron brought it up to six. But unfortunately, there's only one question left, and that goes to the main geek himself, Chris Sinzak, and here it comes. Shortly after the release of Dog Eat Dog in 1992, 
Janie Lane had discovered that a large framed warrant poster displayed in the foyer of Columbia Records LA offices had been removed and replaced by a poster of this band. Rock and Ron, you got no choice. You already said you were going to do it. You're going to bet against him. Chris Sinzak, your choices are this. Which band replaced Warrant in the poster at Columbia Records? Was it Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, or Pearl Jam? It was Alice in Chains, Dirt. That is correct. Two points since you were bet against. Rock and Ron, you need to drink more and cheat more because Chris Sinzak just skunked you at a final score of 13 to 6. Wow. What do you got to say for yourself? (laughs) Rock and Ron hung up. I I hung up. That's what. (laughs) He's making my chicken McNuggets. Give him a break. No, Aaron gave you all the questions, all the answers. Trust me, Aaron will never give me the the answers. (laughs) That is true. And you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the conversation I had with Rock and Ron way back in the quarantine sessions when we were going to do the original Beat the Geek versus Rock and Ron. And Rock and Ron was like, man, dude, I'm so bad at trivia. I could never even come close. If Chris Sinzak were to score 13 points, I'd be lucky to score six, is what he told me. And so I said, don't worry, Ron. You just drink a whole shitload of Jager bombs, and I'm going to send you the answers, and we'll have a real fun time at Chris Sinzak's expense. You're such an asshole. And that's exactly what happened. And that was great. That was so much fun. Way much more fun than this. What you're talking about. Well, I had more fun this time. I never said I would get six points. (laughs) (laughs) Words. You will never see the light again.
Let's go.